Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 17 again, it says, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the, in the futility of their minds. Futility is vanity and emptiness. Hello, sir. Welcome to uh, the World Cafe. Um, so good of you to join us. Uh, would you be interested in seeing one of our menus? Um, we've, uh, we've, got a, we've got a theme this month. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of situation. The, the theme is called uh, Futility. So, yes, sir, it's not been a great month, but um, well, I'm going to just, would you like me to talk you through the menu, sir? Yeah, okay, so we've got a few, a few here, a few favourites here. Uh, the first one, so if you just look, that's the one just there. You'll, yeah, this one's called uh, Religious Futility. Um, now, the, the, what, what we tend to find is very popular amongst the older clientele. Um, and uh, it's a solid, comforting dish. Um, little church attendance here and ritual there. It brings us sort of security. Um, but it, the reason why it features in our futile theme, a futile month, a uh, month of futility, is because, uh, um, well, the reason why is this, is think for a moment, sir, the most high, the, the, the transcendent, the eternal one, but on your own terms. Only there when you need him or want him. Now, so that's a, that, that, that kind of a dish is, is a sweet on the palate, but uh, bitter in the tummy. We've got another one here, sir. This is a good one. This one's a bit more modern. Uh, uh, we call this one spiritual futility, this one, sir. The, the younger clientele go crazy for this one. Um, it's a bit of a smorgasbord, really, this one. You'd have to go up and sort of... It's like you tap us. You tap us before. Absolutely. That kind of idea, sir. You'll just you'll go over there and you'll just help yourself to a bit of this and a bit of that. Whatever you like, really. Um, uh, whatever you, whatever lifts you in the moment, really, uh, regardless of a uh, flavour combo. Uh, it's kind of weird. You should see what some of them do. <laughs> we've had um, we've had uh, we've had uh, Christian yoga. <laughs> we've had uh, materialistic Buddhism. We've had uh, a Jedi Knight atheists. It's amazing and. Uh, Drives the chef crazy, this one, because, you see, he knows that many of these combos are like oil and water. They just simply don't belong together. And, and really, the, the reason it features on the futile list uh, is because uh, surely the essence of real spirituality must be about touching something truly transcendent. But this, no, sir, this is just self-worship in disguise. Uh, so you look intelligent. I don't know why they're laughing, sir. Not that they're here, it's just me and you. <laughs> you look a complex kind of guy. Uh, I'll try this one for size, sir. Um, 
atheistic spirituality, futility, sorry, atheistic futility, where my notes wrong there. Uh, so, now this one is very complex, atheistic futility, very complex, many, many details, but you need to know in advance, sir, this one is vegetarian. Um, uh, in all its complexity, it actually lacks any true meat. And um, well, the thing is, is that uh, us waiters, we, we, we chuckle a bit when this one's ordered um, because it kind of mystifies the kitchen staff. So the order goes in, goes through to the kitchen staff, and apparently uh, the preparation of this one is very, very logical, uh, the process, but when you explore it closer, it makes no sense. Um, uh, why does this one feature on the futile month? Well, the reason this says that uh, we, we, we ask ourselves, humble waiters like myself, how can a universe without meaning and purpose, a universe built on random chance, a universe where concepts like reason and logic are simply social constructs, how can a universe like that be sufficiently explained by reason and logic? I'm only a waiter, sir. But even I can see the holes in it. For those who find it hard to choose, we've got agnostic utility. Now... This looks harmless enough, but uh, the chef has to sit on the fence while cooking this one. And uh, it appears harmless on its arrival, but it's been known to... Uh, well, a few customers have found some splinters stuck in their throats as a result. Uh, why is it on the futile list? Well, it lacks honesty, sir. Lacks honesty, this one. It uh, really just listens to the loudest voice and then echoes it. Uh, not always intentionally, but it, it prides itself on being reasonable, this dish, flexible... Uh, but uh, lacks true variety of flavour. In fact, there's only this one dominant flavour in this one, sir. The very dominant flavour, overpowering everything else. We call it PC, um, political correctness. Uh, overpowering to the point of being intimidating, sir. But uh, uh, there's one more. I, I, you, no, you've still not decided. This one's called the Pleasure Seeker. A funny one, sir, a bit of a mixed bag. An ostrich, tadpole and dog. I know, um, bear with me. Uh, all of them are vital, sir. The ostrich is famous for uh, burying its head in the sand. And uh, when it comes to the pleasure seeker, you've got to do this. You, this is vital. And then the, we know that the tadpole enjoys swimming in the shallows. Uh, this, this is vital for this dish. Sir. And then the dog, of course, uh, famous for returning to its uh, vomit. And uh, uh, Now, why is this dish featured in our month of futility? Well, our observation, sir, is that everyone who has this one either leaves as hungry as they've arrived. <laughs> Crazy. Or... They just keep ordering more of the same, but with no satisfaction. It's a really quite a mystery, sir. So those are what's on the list there. It's a funny old month. It's hard to choose, really. Um, uh, so what will it be, sir? Uh, nothing? Good choice, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Bit of New Year fun there for you. We didn't know if it would bomb or not, but praise God, it seemed to have some legs. Right, so, me and Daisy walking down here, she's like, oh, Dad. I said, I'm going to run for the hills. This doesn't work. Ephesians, um, hopefully you've been, those of you that aren't new, you've been uh, enjoying this series we've been going through. Um, we're at chapter four now which is the part of the uh, letter that one commentator called walk. So you've got sit, walk, stand is the way it's approached. So sit, the first, uh, I guess the first two to three chapters really, which, well, yeah, the first three chapters, which is really just talking about all, everything God has done for us in Jesus. And how the uh, essential, like Tom said when he came and shared, the essential first stance of a Christian is to sit. It's, it's all been done at the cross. And then, and then, and then there's the, once we've been made alive through all that Jesus has done for us, there's this learning to walk as a Christian. That's, that's the next thing. And um, at the start of chapter 
uh, 4, we looked at in December, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And we looked at that and maturity and all these things and the way we relate to each other in Christ. And now he says, now I I want you to not walk in a certain way. So we said, I want you to walk in a manner worthy, but now don't walk in this certain way. Don't walk, he says, like the Gentiles walk. And then there's this fascinating statement in the futility of their minds. Don't walk like they do in the futility of their minds. He's basically saying the way the the wider world lives outside of Christ is is in a certain futility of thinking. And the insight here is very, very fascinating because he says... um. He goes on to say they're darkened in their understanding. And it's like a, a process, and he gets back to the source. So they, he looks at the way the Gentiles walk, people live. And he says, wow, look at this. And he, and he traces it back to its source. He says, they walk in the futility of their mind. And then he goes and he says, he's moving up the river. Uh, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. And then we get to the source, due to the hardness of heart. So what we, the insight that we get here, this is like biblical anatomy, if you like. How does the Bible understand uh, the spiritual dynamics of, of people? Here it is. Number one, you walk or you live out of how you think. That's the first thing. You walk or you live out of how you think. How you think is central to how you live. And he uses words like futility and darkened understanding. And then the next stage is this. You think out of what you want. This is really, really important but you see, he, he traces it all back futility of mind dark and understanding ignorance and he gets back to hardness of heart because human beings we are logical creatures but there's something that is even more deeper and powerful in us than that and that is desire so because we are logical creatures then we create logical arguments for why we do what we do but that's not why we do what we do we live how we live out of, our, out of our heart, out of our desire. Have you ever been in a situation where you really want something so bad and you find yourself creating logical arguments of thought and reason why it's okay or why it works or why it's the better thing? You ever been in that situation before? You see something, I don't know, in a shop or on eBay or whatever and you think, I really want it. And before you know it, your whole budget has changed. Yeah? And, it, and it, you've made it make sense. You've made it work. But what's driving the thing is what you want, what you desire. We are creatures of desire. We are creatures. And, and until, until the Lord gets to work in, 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 in the place of the heart, which is the seat of affections, until Jesus really gets your heart, trying to do the Christian thing just, it, it, it is a real, how can I put it? It's either just a tormenting experience or a totally unsatisfying experience because you're trying to live a certain way and think a certain way, but your heart still hasn't been grabbed by him. There's this heart, which is so important. And he uses this, he says, he, he talks about the hardness of heart in two ways. He says you become calloused. So something happens where almost like a spiritually a skin grows over your heart. You know when you've got calluses, any of you guitar players here, um, or any of you who work in particular trades where you use your hands a lot, and you develop hard areas of skin in certain, certain places, and it becomes much less sensitive than the other parts of your skin. It's very different. It's, uh, you know, you can pick at the skin and not even feel it. It's calloused. And he says, this is what the heart is, is like, naturally. It's got skin around it. And it's, it's calloused to the things of God. Um, we don't really want to know God. Um, that's why I, in, the, in the sketch made reference to the agnostic thing as lacking honesty to some degree. Not, not, that, not that I'm saying that if you're agnostic, you are fundamentally dishonest in every way. But what I mean is, is there's something deeper than this, I don't know what I believe. The deeper thing the Bible says, I don't want to believe. 
Bible says we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We don't want it to be true. So there's, this is the, and, but, but conversely, on the other side of the coin, it says that we're giving ourselves up to all kinds of other um, sensualities and, and things. Now, the reason for that is, is that the, is the heart is made to know the delight and pleasure of God. The heart, is, the heart is created and built to know the delight, the pleasure, the, 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 the unending jealous love of God. That's what it's made for. And so when the heart grows callous to him because it doesn't, doesn't want to submit to him but wants to do its own thing, there's still this desire and longing though for delight, pleasure, love and all these things. And so we tend to give ourselves up to whatever will satisfy that desire. That's how the Bible, that's what Paul's getting at there with the writing there that we believe is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we've just got some anatomy there of what we're like. And Paul is saying, don't walk like that anymore. Now, why, he says, you must not. Now you think, well, why can Paul, why is he so strong in it? He says, you mustn't. He doesn't say, you know, guys, it's not such a good idea. He says, you mustn't walk like that anymore. The reason why is because he says, you didn't, you learned Christ in a certain way. He said, you didn't learn Christ like that. He said, I'm assuming that you've heard about him and that you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And the Bible teaches that the truth sets us free. It sets us free from that curse of a hard heart and a darkened mind. The gospel sets us free from this thing which is beyond our power. We can't save ourselves. We can't rescue ourselves out of this hard heart to God and out of this darkened mind. Even that is futile. But God has come to us in Jesus and done something so extraordinary. There is such power in this message that the heart, the Bible says that the word of God, the message of the gospel will break that hard heart. It's like a stone. You think, what's going to, any of you maybe felt this, what's, what can happen with my heart? Who can change this? The Bible says God's word smashes it. It, it, it deals with this huge kind of a boulder that's in the way of the life of God flowing through you. And other images are used like the heart of stone is taken out when you come to Jesus and a heart of flesh is put in that beats for him. That's a miracle. And you see, the beauty is, is that once the heart has been renewed, once, once you're born again and the heart is renewed, you can then go about the process of having your mind renewed. Having your thinking come out of futility into a new way of thinking, which that's a lifelong process, but it's powerful. And transforming anyone who's been a Christian, a serious Christian, for like a number of years, will be able to testify. I used to think like this. Now I think like this. It's just changed me. The Bible says that you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's some powerful stuff. Sometimes people, I think, say some unhelpful things like, "Well, you know, I got the gospel in my mind, but not in my heart," as if as if the mind was kind of divorced from spiritual reality. Actually, the Bible says, no, no, no. What, what, what is needed is this, is a new heart and then a renewed mind. Both of, the, he says, he says at the end here about the spirit of your mind. There's something really spiritual about the mind. In fact, if you want to get into some, you know, t- teaching on like spiritual warfare and all of that, really it's all located around the mind. It's all around the mind how you think. Because you see, we walk out of how we think. Um, maybe it is a little, a little illustration just to maybe bring it, bring it, bring it home. Maybe you're someone who, when you walk into a room full of people, your initial way of thinking, your most deep-rooted way of thinking, is, is I'm not welcome here. Watch how, it, watch how that affects the way you act in that situation. You either don't go in. <laughs> you have second thoughts, suddenly something, oh, that's on telly. You don't go in. Or you go in, and you're going through such mental gymnastics. You're all over the place. You're not relaxed. You're not calm. What's going on there is, is that the way your mind thinks, the way your mind works in this particular issue is determining the way you're walking, the way you're living. It's the same on everything. 
It's the same. And, and our minds are immensely powerful places. Immensely powerful places. That's why some of the stuff, some of the books you read on self-help and thinking differently are actually very, very effective very often. They can't make you right with God, but they can have an impact because this is, people have seen insights from the power of the mind. It's very, very, very powerful indeed. And Paul says, you've learned Jesus in a way that's not like the old. Something brand new has happened. Now, it's New Year's, isn't it, still, I guess, 3rd of January. It's New Year's. It's the first Sunday back. It all feels new. I want to make sure this isn't a New Year's resolution preach. A New Year's resolution sermon with a bit of Christianity added onto it. Because Paul says, put off the old and put on the new. That sounds a bit like 11.58 on New Year's Eve. Next year's going to be different. Um, now, what's going on there with the New Year's resolutions? Well, do you know what? I would say that it's not totally meaningless. There's something there in that that points to something real. It's not the real thing. It's a shadow, really. But there is a substance. There is a substance. Just trying to make New Year's resolutions, turn over new leaves. It kind of feels exciting in the moment because it brings hope and things could be different. And it's pointing to something, but it's not the real thing, which is why February is often like February is. We, know, we all know about February. Um, if you're pastorally wise, you won't do loads of work with people pastorally in February because you know it's just that it's February. Let's wait till March and see how you're doing. Okay, February just has that effect. Christmas is gone, New Year's gone. And, oh, life's pretty much still the same. So, um, so, what, so what, is, what is different from this, what Paul is saying here to these people, than um, the New Year's resolutions? Well, it's this glorious idea that maybe we don't focus on enough, but that in Jesus Christ, a whole new humanity has been started. In fact, a whole new creation has been started. We often think quite individually. So Jesus died to save me and now I'm new in him and that's totally true. But actually the Bible says that what happened in Jesus' coming is that new creation started. And when his resurrection from the dead, he, the Bible describes him as the first fruits from among the dead. He, his resurrection from the dead pointed to something that will happen when all those people who have put their faith and trust in him will also be raised from the dead. And not just that, but that the whole of creation, the whole of the cosmos will be renewed and those who are in him will populate the new heavens and the new earth. Right? So there's something really big and really new that God has done through the resurrection of Jesus. It's massive. It's, it's Genesis 1 uh, repeated in, at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's like new creation has begun and we are living in it and we are tasting of it now. It's as exciting as that. And what Paul is saying is this. He's saying, put off the old creation. Put off everything that belongs to the old. Put off everything that's growing corrupt. Put off, you mustn't walk in that. Why? Because you are new creations in Christ. You are part of the new creation. And so it doesn't make any sense at all for you to be living like you're part of the old creation. Now we know that things aren't fully renewed yet, there's still a lot of corruption around us, but you, God's people start living in the new. The way you relate to God, the way you relate to one another, the way you think about yourself, the way you respond to the environment. Even though we know that this heavens and this earth will be destroyed with fire. So we know that man's best efforts to look after the environment won't uh, ultimately in the end do that. We know that there's a judgment coming where the heavens and the earth will be destroyed by fire. But we also are absolutely convinced that because God is going to renew all things, including the brand new heavens and a brand new earth, it's totally important and appropriate for us as believers to respond to our environment with care, to be faithful stewards of creation, and also in that, not to just look after things, but to point towards the new creation that's coming that we live prophetically and what Paul is saying is don't be stuck in that old way of thinking take it off and put on the new
It's so much more than turn over a new leaf. It's so much more than try harder. It's Jesus has done something extraordinary and he invites you into it. Will you fully embrace all that he has done? The Bible is clear that at the cross, the deceiver of the nations was struck from neck to thigh. Jesus totally, totally defeated Satan at the cross. The Bible is clear that at the cross, the evil and dark powers and principalities, spiritually speaking, were disarmed and exposed. And now angels are released to help those who belong to the Lord Jesus. The, the, the Bible says at the cross, sin itself, all the, all the wicked things we think and say and do, sin was judged and condemned. And through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross, righteousness was given to us as a gift. I mean, righteousness, not that you earn, but that as you believe is given to you as a gift. The Bible is clear that at the cross, death was destroyed and resurrection life begun three days later. The Bible is clear that the light overcame the darkness. And now Paul is saying, walk in it. Walk in it. It, it, And there's something very, very releasing about something extraordinary being done on your behalf and then you being invited into it. It's a very different dynamic from someone saying, come on, make it new. Make it new. Change it. No, it's been done. Jesus is victorious. New creation has begun. Enter in. Enter into it. And so over these next few weeks, as we look at Ephesians 4 and 5, we'll look at how this relates to, for example, um, our speech, how it relates to our work, how it relates to our relationships, how it relates to moments like when we're really struggling with anger, bitterness, resentment. We'll look at what, what, what this perspective has to say on subjects like sex, marriage, kids, parents, bosses, employees and and what what what, what's going to be happening is is that we're going to just be declaring what the new is and saying hey church let's live this out let's live this out because this isn't something that we have to create drum it up find the resources in yourself no 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 we're saying there is one with eternal resources who you are in and who dwells in you and who is saying i'm with you and i'll never ever leave you or forsake you Let's explore new creation together. Let's go on an adventure together. Let's explore what it might look like to, to, to do what we can to live out the reality of the new heavens and the new earth before time. That's the invitation. That's what Paul is saying here. Put off. And there's something decisive about this. I want to end with this. where He's just very decisive. He says this. He says, put off your old self. It belongs to your former manner of life. I love this. He's speaking to them as what they are, new creations. He said it's not appropriate anymore. And it's really important that we relate to each other as new creations. It's really important that we don't talk to each other like we're just, you know, same old people, but we've got a bit of religion now. No, no, no. That's not how you do it. Paul says, hold on a minute. Look, you're new. new. So so put off the old. Just put it off. It's quite, it's quite interesting the phrase, isn't it? Because it sounds quite like, okay, I've just got to put it off then, yeah. And sometimes believers don't put it off because they don't actually realise they can put it off. They actually don't know that they have the authority to put it off. Ways of thinking, ways of going about things. It's actually really liberating if you let the Holy Spirit reveal this to your heart. This is really liberating. That, that when, when God says put it off, it must mean that you can. 
God wouldn't say put it off if you can't. That would be really cruel, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be really out of order. You'd be like, but I can't. Yeah, you know what? Put it off. Put it off. And part of being in church together is that we help each other put it off. We patiently, gently, encouragingly help each other. We're not breathing down each other's necks, scrutinising each other's lives. We're gently walking with each other, helping each other put off the old. We're not crowbarring our way into each other's lives. There's a responsibility on us to open our hearts and lives to people that we trust in the church and say, I really want you to help me with this because I think my life in this area looks more like the old than the new. (laughs) And I really want to walk out of that. And God's telling me, put it off. And I want you to help me learn how to do that. And then he says, put on the new. And we'll end with that. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new man. Put on the new man. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You have been, the image of God in you is now being restored if you've come to Christ. It was ruined through sin. In Christ, the image gets restored. Put it on. The beauty of Christianity is that there's a putting off. God tells us what doesn't belong anymore. Really clearly, we know and we're empowered to put it off. But we're not left in a vacuum. Now what? Put on. So it's not just put off, put off resentment, put on forgiveness. Put, like we heard earlier, put off, put off despair and heaviness, put on praise. Humans cannot exist in a vacuum. You need, you need what, 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 okay, what's going off? And then the best way of getting it off is putting something else on. <laughs> going to get rid of that and I'm going to stick this on. And this, now I learned this is the new. And may God help us in 2016 as a church to walk in the new. That more and more we become shinier and shinier as a community. That the light and glory of new creation shines out of us in a way that can't be, it would be hard to be argued with. You know, people see and say, well, that's something extraordinary. That's a lot more than a smorgasbord of new ideas. That's powerful. That's life changing. And may many, many people in our lives that we love and care for discover new creation in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.